What is up, people? You are listening in to New Generation Hero Talk. I am your host, EJ Stewart, and this is a special show because guess what? The gang is back together. We're all in studio for this episode of Hero Talk. It should be a good one. Kendall's here. Shamari's here. We got a lot to talk about because we'll be reviewing the Blue Beetle movie. DC's Blue Beetle came out last week. As we talked about on our last podcast, the reaction was really solid. A lot of positive response for this show. So we will be discussing that on this program. It will be a Blue Beetle review. Of course, it is a spoiler review, meaning if you have not seen Blue Beetle, maybe a good chance to maybe go back and watch the movie before you come listen to this. Or maybe if you want to be informed of whether or not you actually want to see this movie by listening to this conversation, then by all means, uh, I guess stay tuned or listen in. But um, but this will be a Blue Beetle discussion. It will be spoilers involved. So again, if you don't want to be spoiled, now might not be the best time to do this. So we'll be talking Blue Beetle. We, you know, a lot of stuff has happened since our last podcast. And we'll be breaking down other stuff going on uh, within the superhero conversation, particularly some of the stuff we heard with Marvel and, and perhaps a, a reboot coming in soon. But we're in studio, which makes this a really exciting. I got my guy Shamari here with me now again we're we're in studio so if tensions rise we're gonna be next to each other nobody can duck any smoke here anymore uh but i'm excited it's been a long time i can't remember the last time uh i don't know if you can insurance the last time we were all in the studio together here in the uh in, in the dungeon so to speak uh it was wild probably at least a year i think um for sure maybe not a year you think it was less than a year Kendall? yeah i think it was less than a year really but you living in Minnesota and me in New York, you think that there was, we all came together and did a podcast? That's true. I don't think so. I think it was more than, I think it was more yeah, than a year. Yeah, I think it was more than a year. Yeah. I mean, we think a year goes by pretty, actually pretty fast at this point. I don't think we did this in 2022. I mean, obviously the people who listen to the show, they could go back. I, I think we've done a show probably. Right. Yeah. I feel like I've um, done a show with you here. Yeah. And you may have done a show. Yeah, I think I've done, done a show plenty with shows with him here probably. Yeah. But I don't think we've all don't three of us, I think here. it's been a minute. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been a while, for sure. Exciting to have, exciting to be all back though. Uh, yes, and absolutely. Before we, and, and and Kendall, of course, uh, you're here as well. So again, yes. this is no duck, no smoke dodging. So <laughs> whenever you try to make any snide no, comments, about, jokes. any slide comments or any any slick comments that happen in this podcast, you can't you can't run or hide from me. I'm right. I'm looking at you <laughs> eye to eye, face to face, right here. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm excited for us to all be in this, uh, like you said, under one location. Um, uh, yeah, it's been an interesting, it's been an interesting time, like you said, we got Blue Beetle, um, you know, it's been, uh, we've seen some, some interesting stuff, uh, coming out of, uh, not just DC, but Marvel's had a lot of, you know, What's weird right now is we're in this strike window where, like, there's no actual news. Yeah. Um, like, officially. You know, Marvel's not going to say anything. Uh, but, obviously, things are being reported through leakers, for the most part, at this point. Um, and there was a report from, uh, I want to say it was, can we get some toast? Uh, <laughs> one of the prominent leakers that, we, that we've talked about on this show. Um... They where they essentially said that uh, Secret Wars is going to reboot the MCU, um, and 
I thought that that was, uh, but they they called it sort of a soft reboot that was gonna help usher in the new, the all new MCU is what they called it. But um, I thought that that was uh, fascinating because we had not heard that as like a topic uh, of conversation. The idea that Marvel might reboot the MCU after Secret Wars. Yeah, but. and here's a tweet that came out, and it was, "Can we get some toes?" This came out last week. Um, it said. Uh, the writing's on the wall. Avengers Secret Wars is very likely setting up a soft reboot to the entire MCU, kind of like what the Flash did for the DCU. It'll be a send-off for not only the entirety of the Foxverse, but the MCU that we've all grown to love in the aftermath. Now, I thought we had an interesting back-and-forth off-air that we can quickly do here, but Kendall, and I think you also, Sham, you, you guys think that this is a audible yes. that is being done... For whatever reason, it could be the bad reception, it could be mm-hmm. Bob Iger, whatever situation is, y'all think this is an audible. I do not think this is an audible. I think that this was going to be the plan all along. I do think there's an audible regarding what's going on with the screenwriters, because uh, other reporting we've been getting yes. is that... This uh, is from my, my Time to Shine. Yes, and that is that Loveness and, um, and, Michael uh, and, and Michael Waldron... Those guys were supposed to be writing Avengers Secret Wars. Now, Loveness was already thrown off of Kang Dynasty, which we talked plenty about on this podcast. But those guys were going to be uh, doing Secret Wars, and the the rumors is that that's not happening anymore. Right. That I do think is inaudible. I do think that they're they're changing gears and based off reception. Right. But I do. I thought I thought from the beginning that Secret Wars was going to be some kind of reboot. I think that they you saw the tea leaves already with T'Challa Jr. Um, I think we, with the inclusion of Deadpool and how much of that movie apparently looking like it's going to be, uh, you know, going through the good old days of Fox, so to speak. I, I, I saw this coming, but you guys seem to disagree. Why is that? Because um, that's that's a very drastic measure. Uh, and obviously they, they term it as a soft reboot. So that can go in a lot of different directions. Like Transformers right now has yeah. been in a soft reboot. Like. It's not as technically, I guess, in the same universe as the original, the Shia LaBeouf movies. Yeah, exactly. But, and, and for all intents and purposes, we're in a completely different universe, you know, post-Bumblebee. Um, you know, I feel like this, uh, you know, or like the X-Men, um, you know, First Class uh, is a soft reboot of the X-Men. It's a prequel, but it almost feels like a soft reboot. If we're doing that with the MCU, I don't know what that looks like, but... That to me is not as extreme, but if this is a situation where we're saying the movies we saw, you know, are getting wiped out or they're, you know, not as important, I just think that that's drastic because Marvel's got four or five years worth of movies now that they've got to sell. And we saw what happened to The Flash and we saw what happened to the mm-hmm. DC movies, even Blue Beetle, which we're going to talk about. It's hard to sell these movies to people. You know Shazam as well. It's hard to sell these these movies to people when you know this is none of this matters because we're we're resetting anyway. Uh, so you can jump back on after at Secret Wars or after Secret Wars. How are you gonna sell? You know, like I mean, Fantastic Four should be fairly easy, but that that's the also the part that work that makes me wonder what is the nature of this? Because are you gonna have a Fantastic Four movie come out and then reboot the whole thing? So that to me is strange, but. Um, yeah, I'm not completely sold that this is a uh, a full re- reboot, but if it is, then I feel like that's got to be a pivot. But at the same time, I mean, and you can jump in, Sham, at some point. Like, to me, doesn't... I mean, it felt like the way they were heading 
with this Marvel Universe. Maybe I'm being naive and maybe I'm giving them too much credit, but they had to know this was not going to be sustainable, regardless of this poor reception or mixed reception of some of what they had. I mean, there's no way you can continue long term without a Steve now, Rogers me, or without a, without a Tony Stark. I was just about to say, let me, let me just say real quick. The only reason, I think that's the only reason to reboot the MCU. Is to bring back Tony to bring Stark back and Steve Iron Rogers. Man and, and, and Steve Rogers. Because otherwise, anything else that you could do, you can do without them. Well, no, there's one. No, that's not true. There's one. And, main, and, and the child as well. No, there's you know, no. So there's yeah, another main reason why you would reboot is to do the mutant thing, which I that's that's and that's where where I see this. <laughs> yeah, I see this as they like any way they would have introduced the mutants would have been imperfect. We gotta admit that. Like there's 100%. there's nothing they could have done that would have been foolproof. Like if you said we're gonna just start mutants now and everybody's gonna be just a brand new mutant, well. The, to get to the X-Men and get to the yeah. brother, it would have took you years to get to that point. How did you show up and all of a sudden you're fighting Sentinels? Like, that takes forever. So yeah. that would have been hard. If you say we're going to bring them from the Fox universe, that creates a bunch of Sweet things. Because you got to bring that Fox baggage and there's no Scott Summers or is he back? Who knows? And some of those actors are older. Maybe they don't want to be attached to doing Marvel movies for the next 15 years or whatever. So, like, it's it. there was no silver bullet. The only... And this, I don't want to say the silver bullet, but the only way to say, hey, how do we integrate the concept of the mutant race in our Marvel Cinematic Universe in a way that is seamless? Uh, it's not seamless. I was you, say, it's like, not seamless. Now but, you're erasing everything else. Right. But what I'm saying, though, is that the only way for this to say, okay, the mutants are on the issue. Like, any of the other things you could say, you could say this is a problem because we have established something that is going and to just drop this in would just be difficult. This is the only thing where you could say, well, if everything is new, then the mutants, the mutants being new isn't a big deal. And I think when I say everything is new, I don't think it's going to be everything. Right. Like, I assume a lot of these younger characters we've been introduced yeah, like Marvel's to. Yeah, Miss Marvel's not going anywhere. Miss Marvel's not going anywhere. Kate Bishop's not going anywhere. Ironheart's not going anywhere. And I even think some of these, I don't know if really, honestly, many of the main heroes are going to go anywhere. Like, I don't think Shang-Chi's going anywhere. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. so when we talk about a reboot, Sham, it's not like, oh, we're going to see like 5, 10, 12 recastings. It's just going to be, they're going to create a universe that will exist and will be similar in some regard to the movies that we've seen. And some of that history will be part of the continuity and some of it won't. Like a Daredevil thing. Where it's like, we right. don't know if Daredevil's in the same universe. We think it is, but maybe it's not. Or even it's what we just saw vague enough or to we what see with the New 52, where it was like, there are some things that did happen. Like, Batman still had his parents killed, and certain things did happen. But something like, uh, Drake, Tim Drake never became Robin, actually. He was Red Robin. That's all he became. He never actually was a Robin. Like, they, there are small things you do that change the continuity. That things you can easily explain. Yeah, I see. It, I, I feel like it gets. First of all, they have a major undertaking to even explain. Like, it, like if if this is kind of what they're going for, like they're gonna have. It's gonna be very challenging. I think that's harder to explain. It's gonna be very challenging to, to explain. The yes, and I, I think it's gonna be very challenging to explain to like the, just the average moviegoer that at this point I believe is not going to all the Marvel movies. Doesn't care. Doesn't care enough. May have been <laughs> losing interest. People that I literally know who have been losing interest yeah. and not going to these movies to explain like what happened. To but but if you're if we're accepting that people are that there are people who 
the people who are maybe most affected by this in a negative way with us not knowing the how good the creative is. If the creative is bad, we're all affected. Right. But just not knowing the creative, just on a, on a, in a vacuum, the only people we know that would be most affected would be these folks, the people who are the most casual. Mm-hmm. I'd argue, like, doesn't that actually help the case that they don't pay attention as much? Like, if they weren't watching She-Hulk, then, yeah, maybe they don't have to know that She-Hulk was doing yoga with Bruce Banner in, you know, whatever country they were in. And maybe this next universe, you know, Bruce Banner is still, like, you know, crazy Hulk who yeah. doesn't, isn't smart or whatever. Like, they wouldn't have to know that. Like, they didn't watch She-Hulk anyway. They didn't watch WandaVision. So they don't have to know there's a white vision running around. Like, they could just retcon that and we just move on. Maybe. Maybe. Um, but, yeah, I just, like you said, I feel like just the creative and the branding and all of that is just... I, I feel like that is gonna that is going to play a part in how much of a reboot this is in terms of how much of what we saw is like still canon just to be honest just just to kind of speak plainly like how much of what we saw like actually happened in universe and is still something that we are that that is that like still matters and like (laughs) and like clearly had an effect on um like on like the future movies and tv shows um going forward um i don't totally agree with you guys i i i personally um i mean i this may not have been the case for a lot of people but i wouldn't have cared too much how they introduced the x-men i do agree that there's no way initially i I agree that there's no way they could have done it probably that that would have made the most sense yeah but I need my X Men. I mean, like, we, that's well, kind of the thing that matters the most. I remember, you know, I've talked about it many times on the show. I went back and listened to our initial conversation on this, and I, I was the most at the time, like, man, like you know, this is a tough undertaking. I understand. Take your time with the X Men because, you know, how do you introduce? It's a tough. It's a tougher job than introducing Spider Man. Right. Um, but my, you know, that was me again under the impression like we'll give him five years. Like that's plenty of time to introduce the X Men. We're now five years down the line, I and mean, man, we don't. We we have no ain't no sight of any any mutants. So, uh, you know, my my tone has shifted in the sense that I agree now. Where I'm like, you figure it out. You know, yes, there are some bad, there are some 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 mediocre ways that you can introduce the X Men. Uh, but if it's just say they've always been there, you know, they've been lurking in the shadows, and somehow they they got you know discovered almost like aliens. You know, they've they've always, they've been amongst us this whole time. Yeah. You know, I think that that serves its purpose. You know, in a way, and I mean, they're already kind of a partial reason I believe that is because they already kind of are introducing like mutations and stuff like that, right? Which I mean, if they're just gonna reboot the reboot everything and then just everyone, there are mutants all over the place. Well, that's the that's they didn't really need to do that. That's the thing that's gonna make this weird because, and this will lend to maybe you guys being right when I say this, but I'm of the EJ will always be fair (laughs) thought process is. They made a big deal out of mentioning that Namor was a mutant in Black Panther. Right. They made a big deal out of doing the uh, reveal Marvel. in Miss Marvel about her being a mutant. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like, now could you have done that to say, hey, when we get to this new universe, they won't be the only ones, and we could not expect them to be ingratiated in mutant-led storylines, like? It's no accident that in the comic books, like they've rebooted, not rebooted, but they've 
written a story that allows for Miss Marvel to now be a mutant yes. as opposed to an inhuman. A lot of people are very unhappy with it, and they should be because it sounds trash how they got to where they got to. Yeah, Death of Miss Marvel. Yeah, in a Spider-Man <laughs> comic book. I mean, just awful, awful job by Marvel Comics in that regard. But, like, that that's the only thing that makes it weird is, like, why was that important if you were going to be introducing all mutants together eight years, seven years from now, six years from now, whatever, right, right. whenever these last movies were, and I last shows were. And I don't even necessarily disagree that some kind of soft reboot was planned before. Um, but I think, I do still think there were, there were orders from on high to just, even just a memo sent out, like, I want a major pivot. Right. Soon. Cause, so, but, then, and then they, what, it, but then my question is a pivot from so, what though? I get, and I mentioned What's the it before, but I, I, to me, like when Shamari says that, I think, again, I think Marvel's original plan. Let me lay it out this way: I think their original plan was always. I don't know what their plan in terms of the timeline to get the X Men, but I think their plan was to we're just going to introduce the X Men like we've introduced everybody else, you know. And again, it may feel like a soft reboot just because when the mutants show up, everything's going to be shifted, you know. So it's going to feel like a soft reboot anyway. But the major thing that they had to change was. You can't do that and then somehow also have Iron Man and Captain America running around at some point. So right. that was the problem that, they, that they've that they run into is that we don't have Iron Man. We don't have Captain America. We need those two characters, clearly. And I think that they've learned that in the last year that those characters are very vital as well as T'Challa. And I think they've said to themselves, if we, if, you know, it's like you talked about. What's the bigger consequence? Is it, you know, introducing the X-Men in a... You know, clever fashion, or is it, you know, losing the the history of the MCU? And I think in their minds right now, if the MCU was just rebooted, I don't know if people would care that much. You know, so that's why you know I think a year ago this conversation would have been a lot different. It would have been like, man, like you know, we can't lose, you know, everything we built with with Falcon, and we can't lose everything right. we built with Shang Chi and all these different characters. You fast forward a year, and it's like, and, and- oh no, you know. You mean Gaia is not going to be Super Scroll anymore? Like, yeah, I mean, and and I think the I think the change needs to come in terms of having, you know, core characters that people care deeply about. Right. Um, outside of Tom Holland, he's the only. I think he's the only one that like you know. Uh, but outside of him, yeah, we haven't even mentioned Spider Man. Um, which that's still kind of like a Sony thing. Right. So it's like, like they need core characters that are like staples. Your Tony Stark, your Steve, you know, your Steve Rogers, and then to then like I guess Iger literally said like not as many stuff, right? Not as much stuff coming out, and I think maybe Feige or or you know whoever at Marvel's response was, well, we kind of planned that sort of they, we're doing a reboot already with this Secret Wars thing, they, so that's gonna be when we there's a uh, there's a tweet right now. It's kind of like you know we've talked about the tweet before, I believe. Um, where we were talking about the the Tiamat Island or the the the, the Tiamat you know eternal thing sticking out of the out of the out of the Earth. Yeah. And people talking about it. it's been like you know thirty projects since and no one's mentioned this thing yet. You know six movies, you know eight movies and twelve shows. And no one's mentioned the the thing sticking out of the Earth. There's yeah. a new there's a new meme out there now where it's like after every movie or show somebody tweets uh, the same guy tweets. Uh, We've now gone 18 Marvel projects since the last time we've seen Captain America. You know, like Sam Wilson. It's like, and it's like, yo, it's crazy. Like, how have we, how's it been 18 times, 18 different shows and movies since we've seen Captain America? Like, 
the old MCU, that was impossible. You wouldn't go more than two or three before you saw one of the main, main characters in the thing. Um, the last thing I'll say, though, is that I think that yeah. the... I think that the, the execution of it, because whether or not the, what the idea, you know, where the idea came from, my guess is that I think the execution of it is that I think they will... Um, I think they'll go in a direction where they say, you know, oh, you know, something happened. Again, what happened? Something happens in Civil War, or Secret Wars, rather. And most everything is... This, it, a lot of it's the same. Like you said, a lot of the actors right. are the same. Uh, they're not going to recast. Yeah, they got recast. They, they're, about to, they're about to, we think, cast a Fantastic Four. Like, right, they're not recasting. That's going to be changed yes, a right, year later. Exactly. Because they're know, doing Civil Wars. But... There will just be a lot of major aspects that we've talked about. Like, again, Tony Stark will be around, and, and Steve Rogers will be around in some capacity. And, like you said, the X-Men, they won't have to come up with an excuse for why the X-Men are around. They're just around. Just right. like they would be around in any in a comic book or a TV show. Like, yes, the mutants are around now, and it doesn't, you don't have to say, where have they been this whole time? Where have they been? They've been here the whole time. Just because there's a new universe that we're following. You know, so I think that that... Is what they'll do, and again, I think they'll take the daredevil approach of you figure out if the, the, the movies that we watched happened or not. You know, yeah, yeah, maybe it happened like it did, maybe it didn't. I don't know. It's irrelevant. I, one positive I think that could come from that though is basically all of the, I guess, not only not all, but maybe some of these villains that have been killed off would now come back on the board. Yes. So with Thanos, uh, Killmonger, like those Malachi. are people. <laughs> Who? Malachi. No, please not. <laughs> Jesus, please not. Gore. But, <laughs> but some of these guys, I didn't hate Thor. To Gore. Case <laughs> uh, but like some of these, some of these guys would be back on the docket, which I think would make sense for Marvel. I've, I've mentioned it uh, plenty of times off air, but it's crazy that like one that they haven't done the Masters of Evil, which is a, would be a for something that. Like the way the MCU, as long as the MCU's been around, like the Masters of Evil are perfect at this point because there should be countless number of villains that you can use for the, Ma- the Masters of Evil that people will care about. But the problem is right now they they've killed off any villain that anybody cares about. So even if you decided to do the Masters of Evil, it'd be Zemo and a bunch of people nobody cared about. It'd be Zemo and Ghost and just random, you know, people that somehow are still alive, you know. But like in a perfect world, they would have had. You know, Zemo and Killmonger and, you know, yeah. all these other people that people actually cared about. You know, Justin Hammer, all these people would be together. But, um, you know, again, they've, they've approached it in a terrible fashion. So we'll see what they end up doing with the future of Marvel. Again, this is a Generation Hero Talk. We are doing a Blue Beetle review, which is why we're all here. Blue Beetle came out last week. And I think this is a good time to remind you guys that this is going to be a spoiler conversation for for Blue Beetle. So if you have not seen Blue Beetle, uh, thank you for listening to this uh, short version of the podcast where we talked about the potential Marvel reboot that could be coming because of uh, Secret Wars. Um, real quickly, I think, before we do move on uh, to the Blue Beetle review, on the Loveness and and uh, and Waldron apparently, apparently being maybe out of the situation, it just kind of still strikes to me just how unorganized Marvel is at this point. I mean, they really are on skates. It just feels. I mean, I mean, how do you have? I mean, everything is supposed to be building up to a Secret Wars movie that was prior to that going to be built up to a Kang Dynasty movie. Like, how in a year's time 
do you lose all your writers from that movie? I mean, you guys remember how no, both of those movies when we when we talked about Waldron getting that Secret Wars job, I was upset. You were. I was like, this is a bad idea. Yeah, I was happy because I liked Loki, and, and, and I love. He was the guy that he was the guy that set up. Yeah. The, Basically, the the multiverse aspect of right. the Marvel. So that part makes it made total sense, right? You know, and I love Heels. You know, that's one of my favorite television shows right now that Michael Waldron, yeah, uh, is the creator of. But the way he, the multiverse of madness was handled, I was like, this is a disaster. And I look, I don't know. I mean, Secret Wars is going to be great, or what it was going to be, but um, I don't wouldn't say that this is bad news. Uh, mm-hmm. I also wouldn't say it's shocking. But I, I just don't know how they could, because when they announced that he was, a, unless this was something that was done a long time ago, like like you said, while he was writing Loki, while he was writing Doctor Strange, they said, you're going to be doing Secret Wars also. How could you have seen the reception of of Doctor Strange, for example? Which wasn't, like, terrible, but, you know, it was controversial enough that you then subsequently, a month or two later, decide, we're also going to give this guy Secret Wars, announce it publicly, and there was a lot of apathy towards it. And now you all of a sudden you decide to make this shift, and uh, to be fair, they haven't officially announced it. This yeah, could, this, they, these they, are rumors. I yeah, mean, in theory, they could, yes. could be wrong. And and not only could it could it be wrong, but also this could have happened a long time ago. You know, like he he might he might have been off it for months. Now in March, Michael Waldron had just signed a deal, March of this year, to do stuff for Marvel. Right. So that's crazy. How um, now this was already after he had been tapped to do Secret Wars. But it's, 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 I mean, this speaks to a very, this did happen, a very recent flip. I'm telling you, I think there's a shift right now. Because how do you go, you, you gave this guy more work after Secret Wars, or including Secret Wars. You signed him to a deal in March to do more work with Marvel, and now we're in August, and you're talking about you're not doing Secret Wars anymore? I can't yeah. imagine you would have gave him a deal to do more work if you didn't want to do Secret Wars, I would assume. Yeah, yeah, it's a very rapid change. It's, it's just very haphazard. You know, it's just a very uh, haphazard kind of like work environment. I mean, who wants to work in an environment where the where you're, the writers and the people creating the content is just shifting all over the place? Yeah. I mean, it's just not stable. Um, it very rarely works. I mean, I, you know... The only other place, the only other place that we've seen stuff like this happen in this form is Lucasfilm. Yeah, but Star Wars, yeah. You know, we saw this happen in Lucasfilm. You know, and in, in in most cases, it just looks weird. Yeah, it looks it's not it ends up a jumbled mess. Ends up very messy. You know, Solo was a very messy situation. I didn't hate Solo. Yeah, but it was a very messy situation. It's crazy. Solo was as good as it was, given all the mess. Yeah, yes. it's, yeah, it's incredible. A lot yes. of a lot of credit to Ron Howard, I guess. He, yeah, you know with. Yeah, I mean, I, and Lord Miller, you know, whatever they did, whatever the combination yes. of that was, it ended they up fig- working. They figured it out, yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, this is not how you want your your uh, your studio being run. I'm sure. And how, like, if you're Marvel, like, when that happens, like when Edgar Wright was knocked off with Ant Man and they put Peyton Reed in there, it's like whatever's Ant Man, you know. Even Doctor Strange too. Scott Derrickson was knocked out midway through, and they put Sam Raimi. Right. They installed him, you know, yeah. like a regime change. <laughs> They're like now Sam Raimi's doing Doctor Strange too. Yeah. It was like okay, you know, again, most people preferred it just because it's Sam Raimi, and you know, I don't like look at that and say, oh, Marvel doesn't know what they're doing anymore. But it's like Secret Wars and King Dynasty. It's like, yeah. do you not have a direction for those movies? They're not pivoting. Well, I mean, they did, but then, then yeah, it's, I, I, 
But like, it did, did like... you look at the plan? Like, did they look at the reaction or like the recent, you know, trend and say, man, you know, this Secret Wars movie and King Dynasty are going in that same direction that we've been setting up. Part of me wonders shift. if this is like coming from, like, said, I, I heard. Like, from right. Disney, yeah, right. yeah, 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 you said that a bunch. Yeah, some yeah. sort of Disney, because like this is a, it's, it's all happening within Disney. Yeah, Disney yeah. is the place where all this turnover, is turnover, happening. and and these bad uh, stock trends yes. and bad brand, you know, marketing is happening. Disney is the place where all this is happening. So you know. It's. It makes me wonder if that's like the common denominator here, and that that seems to just be, if maybe, it isn't so much Feige, or Kennedy, I, I suppose, or maybe it's it's Disney. Maybe this is just an organizational, cultural, kind of issue. Yeah, it's 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 uh it's it's very, it's it's impossible to figure out what the hell is going on and the the the. Marvel already keeps things close to the vest. The strike isn't going to help things. So the fact that you know they can't hire, like now that these guys have been fired, they can't hire another writer <laughs> because yeah. there's no one that's going to be it. working. So uh, it's it's it's. I, I think I've talked tough. about it with our mom a lot. We've talked about the MCU struggles, and I've we talked about the strike, and we both agreed that you know in some way the strike is good for Marvel in that that in this during this this very tumultuous time. They can sit back, reset, not have to worry about, oh, well, you know, we're making Deadpool. We can't think about right. Secret Wars. Oh, we're, we got this next movie coming out. It just Now they can really take a look at the board, evaluate, and see. I don't think we want Michael Waldron making this movie. I don't think we want uh, Jeff Lovins writing this movie. I mean, I hope someone's doing that. I mean, I, I mean... Gener- generally, I would hope that, that, that people like anyway. Feige are more concerned about getting a, and, getting some kind of fair deal done. I know we've gone long. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know we've gone long on this, but the other part too, and the last thing I'll say on this, it, it does again speak to the, I won't call it haphazard, but it does speak to the rashness of these decisions. Because, I mean, remember, like Waldron was signed on to do Doctor Strange only because of all the stuff. That went down with Derrickson. Derrickson. Yeah. Like this is very dramatic. like so like they went from they this is literally a pivot to another pivot. Like yeah. they they didn't like well they, they decided they wanted to do one specific thing with Doctor Strange that right. wasn't obviously in uh Derrickson's uh, you know, vision. So they threw him out and then now you're they're like, All right, uh, you know, we're gonna bring in uh Raimi and this guy Waldron's gonna write a whole new script that's gonna be something totally different. Yeah. And then they said so they went into his direction, and then they now flip it. Yeah, and they, know, they gave him the keys to everything, right? And then they, because they enjoyed Loki so much, they gave him the keys to everything. And now they're like, okay, you know what? Actually, never mind. I mean, you gotta pick a lane at some point, right? Like I know people are upset, but like you can't just be jumping left, right, left, right, left, right. There's gotta be some consistency. But um, let's let's talk about Blue Beetle. So again, this is a spoiler review of Blue Beetle. Came out last week. Uh, again, if you've not watched Blue Beetle, watch it. Come back to the pod. But we're going to have the rest of the discussion on Blue Beetle. So, of course, this movie, um, directed by Angel Manuel Soto, starring Colo Maraduena as uh, Jaime Reyes. You also got Adriana Barraza, Damian Alcazar, Raul Max Trulio, Sarah Susan Sarandon, and George Lopez as the 
uh, big stars of this movie. Um, I like this film. I thought that it was a really solid film. The box office hasn't necessarily reflected that. I think they just crossed 82 million worldwide, so they're gonna have a little bit of a climb to get to, uh, you know, profitable status. But it's something they should be able to get. The movie was budgeted at 104 million dollars. Maybe tack on of the 2034 uh, marketing that goes into that. I think that making this movie profitable is possible, even with the uh, struggling um, box office. But uh, I enjoyed this film. I think one of the things that stood out to me was the importance of a strong cast. Because I think we could talk about writing the craziest, dopest superhero superhero mashup that you've ever seen. And sometimes those work great. And as long as you like cast as competent, like it could be fine. But I think sometimes when you have these more grounded, simpler stories that are origin stories, I think the performances are more of what's going to get you across the finish line than even this great story. Because as I've seen in reading some of the reactions prior to watching this film, I don't know if there's anything but outside of the the very in-your-face and well-executed representation of not just Latinx culture, but also just Mexican culture uh, specifically. Uh, but outside of that, there's nothing, I don't think necessarily groundbreaking about this story, this origin, and a lot of the coming-of-age things that are in the movie. But sometimes running a play that's simple but executed very well is all you need. And it, it, I looked at this film and I, I sat there and I was like, like it was nothing that was happening that was like, like oh my god, I can't wait till like Batman shows or something like that. But like I was sitting there like just very invested in Jaime Reyes's story. And I think that's a credit to um to I think Colo was outstanding, or uh, Zola rather uh, was was outstanding in in his role as Jaime Reyes. Um, I think I didn't expect I knew the family would be good, but I don't think I expected his family to be so invested into the story and. Because they were so good, it almost allows you to suspend disbelief when you see them battling up against, you know, these, right. uh, you know, core industry, you know, security. I don't know what they are because, like, these guys are military. <laughs> military great. Paramilitary. Yeah, paramilitary great organization. And they're just like, they got all these weapons and stuff. And I'm like, yo, like, where is the police? Like, they just pulled up behind me, raised his crib and blew it up. And I'm like... The, the police ain't ain't doing nothing. Like what the hell's going on? Like these guys, the military, very uh, Anvil and Punisher. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, it reminds me very much of like uh, of, uh watching like a uh, Spider Man, like you know, like like uh, like Spider Man video game, like like you know, yeah, exactly. With uh with uh all those like the, the the military showing up, the whatever. What was the organization that took over the city that was doing security work for New York City? I forgot the uh, yeah, I forgot. But like those guys, those bozos showing up. That's what it reminded me of. Yeah, Kingpin's guys. Yeah, Kingman's guys, you know, taking over certain parts. But, like, they all were spectacular. They all were hilarious. Um, I think if there was anything that I think was weird to me or that I was, like, kind of not so sure about, I, I thought, honestly, I think that I, I, I expected the Sarandon edition and the Victoria Chord aspect of it to be a little more goofy than it was. I thought that she, that actually worked pretty fine. I actually thought that the daughter cord was a little... I had a little problem with that. I felt like... Jennifer Cord? Jenny Cord? Whatever you call it. Jenny Cord? I mean, 
I don't know why the, the Reyes family doesn't hate Jenny Cord. I mean, maybe they're just good people. But I feel like it, she she only like brought terrible things. Like her being around with, for Jaime to actually see this thing happen gets them gets her him and his sister fired. Like she gives him this scarab, and that leads to all this chaos. They they pull up because you know her of her help and blow up his house. His dad dies. Like, like all this stuff happens. I feel like because of her. And I don't. I don't know if I see much gain for the Reyes with her involvement. Now, maybe they're just trying to show, hey, we're just a loving family, whatever. Yeah, the thing, but, but there were times, though, where I felt like they could have, like... And maybe early on, they kind of did a little bit with George Lopez's character, kind of right, being like, oh, right, don't trust right. the people, kind whatever. But yeah. I feel like they could have hammered more, like, hey, like, you come up and just upended everything. Like, what? Like, just go away. I think I think his sister was was very yeah she had some she was she was skeptical and like I think that her her, honestly I thought her physical acting was really good because there were times when she kind of just side eyeing this chick which I I I did appreciate but I needed a little more that was that was probably one of the main things I kept thinking about when I was watching the film like man like Victoria Court is not like until she gave them all those you know blue beetle weapons weapons, she was of no help like she only made things worse it seemed like but um. But that, but but I, I I really ended up enjoying this film. It was uh, at the perfect time. It was basically uh, almost on the nose, two hours, and again, it was not this like superhero mashup. But it did what it was supposed to. It made me invested in Jaime Reyes's growth as a person and his uh, in the birth of him as a hero. And we don't see a lot of these stories anymore because people are tired of uh, origin. of origin stories. But this was one that I think, while not groundbreaking was executed so well that it ended up succeeding. So I liked Bleed a lot and I'm like I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys think of it. So I go to I go to you first, Sham. What'd you think of uh, Blue Beetle? Well Blue Beetle's great. I'm a big fan of Blue Beetle, both the character and his movie. It was very good. Very, very good. Um uh Zolo, um the uh, main the uh the actor that played Blue Beetle, he's on a rock ship to the moon. Absolutely rock ship to the moon. Absolutely great actor. Did a fantastic job playing this character. Very much looking forward to seeing him in other things. Um, you know, it was was he in um, uh, Cobra Kai or something? Absolutely. Yes, yeah, I'm gonna have to watch Cobra Kai now. Yeah, I got. I, I want to watch, watch Cobra Kai. Yeah, he was he was really good. He was really 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 good. Um, a lot of love is being shown to the supporting cast, which I appreciate. They all they all did an amazing job. But I also want him to get a lot of love. He is the star. He did a fantastic yeah. job in this movie. Um, so I feel like he really deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, I agree, EJ. I thought that Susan Sarandon, um, kind of like the Victoria Cord angle, worked better than I anticipated. Mm-hmm. I like that they kind of gave her a backstory, too, of like her family and how she what didn't get control yeah. of the company in the way that she maybe should have. And yeah, I thought that that was like... Like, a, like they put effort into it. Yeah, and I thought that that was very... I thought that was smart, especially because of how invested we've been in and now these, like, unfortunately because... It's not unfortunate, but I don't care. Unfortunately because we had a president who everything was about, like, the family aspect of his mm-hmm, business. Right, sure. And what we've seen with the success of a show like Secession and people's investment in wrestling in the McMahon family, like... Like I think, like the it wasn't like it was a ton of dialogue, but even the small dialogue they put in there, telling her backstory, being like this is someone who's working hand in hand with her father running this company, and then when it came down to giving the company over, 
he gave it to his son and she viewed that as a you know another case of you know the patriarchy winning maybe it was but then you also see this chick is crazy so maybe her dad actually knew hey like like we're making money now or whatever but we can't continue this especially with like her heart and where it's at i don't know um you know she says that they her her pops were just building weapons and stuff like it was all good and ted was the one who was like we we shifting gears here but ted was not really part of the company so actually to me i know we i guess we won't get a great answer because they killed off her character which i was fine with but i would have loved to have seen her survive to kind of maybe see like when slash if I don't even think of if, not when, it's it's not, or rather it's not an if, but when Ted Core does come back, I would love to have kind of seen maybe his side of the story as to why he was given the company if he was a guy that was not invested in the company much and did not believe in the making of weapons. Yeah, I, I agree with that as well. I, I, I would um, I would have liked to see that. Though I also didn't mind that they, that they killed her character. She wasn't someone that I was like, oh, what a waste. And, you know, I'm just like, okay. <laughs> um, and she was someone that, I mean, like, you talk about putting a villain over. I mean, by the end, you see someone you kind of wanted to die. I mean, yeah, she was very evil. The way the way she again, she pulled up, she pulled up on their crib. You know, very racist. Pops, pops killed the racism that yeah. was there. Like it was just like, and then you know, especially when we went back into Omax background. You know, yeah, uh, when you kind of learn. I mean, we're talking uh, like colonial, like colonial imperialism, colonialism. Right. Yeah, yeah, basically is, <laughs> with this character. Yeah, yeah. It, it actually kind of gave me some Thanos. Gamora vibes mm-hmm. that like you know that of course is the same thing that is, is on the same yes. tilt of like the colonialism and things like that but like adding that and like being like yeah there are people who work for people out of who under terrible circumstances yeah and they're still doing bad things I mean they shouldn't but you know life gives them deals on a certain hand and this is what actually happens yeah uh, and people of color especially deal with this very often in our communities as well Mm-hmm. So I even thought that tilt of it, like there was so much where it was like, yes, this is someone you want to die. It was kind of like it wasn't as she wasn't as good as I revolutionary, but it was like this person dying is absolutely like what you want to see. Yes. You know, by the end of the film. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. I'm 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 with you guys. Three for three. I, I really, really thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Um, you know, I mean, it's funny, like, you know sitting next to our brother Henry while we were watching that movie and right after that opening that mysterious opening montage of Ted Cord yep. backstory I looked at Henry and I was like oh yeah this movie's gonna be good you know just cause <laughs> I like the, you, the detail yeah the detail yep. yeah. you know like I mean yep. Already, I'm like, I didn't think that they were going to get that deep into this movie. I, you know, just certain yeah, movies, you just kind of think, yeah, like, is it just like a, a Disney movie where it's like, oh, okay, become superhero and then, right. you know, save day. <laughs> right, exactly, something <laughs> like that. And that's not what this was. You know, you could tell, um, you know, Angel Manuel Soto put a lot of different, put a lot of research into this film. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen, but he, he, he uh, confirmed that, like, in the that opening sequence, there was, like, a, a green light that hits the scarab. And he's like, oh, yeah, that was Green Lantern, you know, hitting, hitting the scarab. And it was an homage to a comic book out there where they, they have an interaction. Yeah, with yeah, Blue Beetle and Green Lantern are boys. Right. Or at least it's Ted Cord Blue Beetle. And, um, and, and he, the fact that they put that level of detail in there that, I mean, I didn't even catch the green light, I missed, I missed you know, it. Yeah, but... 
Um, but even if I did catch the green light, no way I would have thought, like, and I've seen it now again on YouTube, but, like, it's not clear that it's a Green Lantern ring, but there were some people that were like, oh, I don't know, is that, you know, is it, I mean, again, Alien, Space, DC, Green Light, you know, it's not that crazy of a leap. Uh, but again, they put a lot of love, they put a lot of detail, um, into this film for a movie that, again, you have no idea how many people are going to see. You have no idea if, is it going to be the biggest film that's going to get a trilogy or is this a one-off? Um, but they made this as if they're expecting this to be a major franchise against multiple films. I give them a lot of credit for that. Um, I mean, you said it, Shamari. You know, there's not much more I could say, but, you know, Zolo Maraduena was uh, phenomenal. I mean, I think that this was, to me, in recent comic book movie, like pretty much since we've been doing this, doing this show, that's, I, I think it's top five casting. You know, of an really? original character. I think it's top five. Since we've been doing this show. In terms of, like... You're saying comic Zolo book, comic book or accurate. heroes or just all characters? I'd argue all characters, but particularly heroes. I mean, villains get tough because it's like, there's just great performances that you see from a villain. But, like, just comic book accurate. If it checks the box of being comic I mean, this accurate. Is, and, yeah, I mean, he is Jaime Reyes. And, this, like, superstar yeah. talent. You know, and performance. I think that it's, it's, a, it's a mix that... You know, if the gold standard is... Robert Downey Jr., that's the gold standard of being comically accurate in superstar performance. I think it's like it's a it's a tier or two below that, but it's it's we haven't seen a whole lot of that um in a while. Like, you know, and like I don't know, I just he was he was excellent. Um you know, you I mean you mentioned how this movie doesn't reinvent the wheel necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um I said it a lot. After seeing the movie, after seeing the movie, you know, I, I was, I was, I was telling, I was telling our family, I was like, I mean, you know, I thought that this was, this is a movie where they, they pulled a ton of tropes from, uh, different comic book movies of uh, the past, and to me, and I'll, I'll rattle them off at some point in, in this podcast, but like to me, that was not a weakness to me. I think, like I said, I think that in part is some of this movie's strengths is it's, 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 its ability to pull these elements from different films that people enjoy and say, yes, we're going to do it. We're going to have our own twist to it, our own spin to it in, in this skin. And, you know, again, like you said, sometimes the old tricks are the ones that people like the most. You know, I'm not saying, you know, just play the hits constantly, but, um, but I, you know, it, it, instead of trying to reinvent the wheel and trying to do all this wacky stuff that people have never seen before and being cutting edge, Sometimes these movies lose track, you know, instead of being the traditional superhero film that people like to see. So I think that this movie has strength in its elements that it's pulled from different movies. That is an interesting concept. And I, you might not be wrong about that because I mentioned how, like, you know, we got to a point with the superhero movies that, and we said it a bunch on this show, that, like, people did not want to see Origins anymore. Like, yeah. and we didn't want to see Origins anymore. We're like, oh, tired of God getting the power. The girl getting the power. We got to see them go through every the first, go through school and don't know what they're doing. Yeah, and, fish out of water. Yeah, fish out of like, We don't need to see that yeah. again. Just just get, show us that they're already heroes and let them see, let them fight or whatever. And some of that may be our impatience because we know the investment that film companies have put into these characters that we know that we will have shared universes that like we almost want to get to the avenger like events or to the major crossover events as soon as possible so you know getting rid of the origin cuts through that red tape so to speak but when you you say you know this 
works in part because it feels so familiar. I think that's a good point because, I mean, we enjoyed Iron Man. Like, we enjoyed Captain America. We enjoyed Batman Begins. Like, you know, these, you know, quote-unquote, we enjoyed Spider-Man 1. We enjoyed the X-Men. You know, you know that's like a pseudo... It's more of a Wolverine origin than it is an X-Men origin because a lot of the X-Men characters were already established. Yeah, yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of these movies we talk about, when we talk yes. about the greatest X-Men movies ever, you know, you know X-Men. X-Men First Class, like, when we talk about these movies that we enjoy the most and some of the ones that we look at when we even talk about, like, why these universes exist, these connected universes... It's, it starts with these origins that, in many ways, like you said, Blue Beetle takes from. Like, uh, there's a lot of Spider-Man in this. There's a lot of a lot of Iron Man in this. Yes. There's some Venom in it. Like, you yeah. know, which is very interesting. That's a very exactly. new... I mean, his, yeah, as a hero, he's... Like you said, he's a mix of those three. Yeah. He's got the Spider-Man kind of young, you know, teenage hero, under the mask, whatever, balancing both lives, but... You know, he's got the Venom split personality guy, yep. you know, alien talking to him, you know, symbiotic relationship, this and that. Uh, but they do his powers in a very Iron Man-like way, you know, and they present it in a very Iron Man. It's talking to him, and he's, you know, he's, he sees the, you know, this very yes, c- cybernetic, yes, yes, you know, looking. Are, yeah, exactly, you know, so they, they, and again, they infuse all those different, they could have just made him, you know, one of, one of those characters. They could have just made him... You know, just put him in a robot suit like Iron Man. And guess what? All those origin stories work extremely, yes, work extremely exactly. well. They were all Venom super popular. is extremely popular. Yes. Spider Man movies are extremely exactly. popular. Iron Man is extremely popular. Exactly. So like, and when you add uh, again, how much they 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 infuse the Mexican culture and the Latin culture exactly it still makes it and unique. It makes it unique yeah. because seeing like this guy trying to explain to his abuela what's going on is di- yeah. it's just different it's yeah. just, it's not the same as like peter talking to aunt may or whatever right. like right. or the fact uh, like the fact that he wouldn't talk to aunt may the fact that he like he had no choice but to tell his latin experiment like, yes, it, yes. Like, some things a, you, I like the, the ending of the movie is a little confusing but like this isn't a guy who really has a an alter ego, you know, or like a secret identity, right? Like, especially by the end, he's just lying around. <laughs> yeah, I'm Blue Beetle. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I still, don't, <laughs> I'm still a little confused by it. But like, mm-hmm. but that's that that's you know again different than Spider Man, for example. Um, you know, <laughs> like I was joking, uh, like the uh, you know the scene out, you know, after you know his dad passes and he sees him in the, you know, I I, I joked and called it, it was like the the you know the ancestral plane you know from Black Panther <laughs> like I'm like I've seen this before you know <laughs> like, yeah. they did it in their own way you know but I'm like they definitely took inspiration from a lot of different superhero movies and you know again it works in, in, in a lot of different areas um, but I mean even that scene it's funny because I saw uh, you know Angel basically say that that was his father's death was essentially called for by Warner Brothers like interesting like he did not want to have any deaths in this movie. <laughs> I because that that could argue, I could argue like I thought about that when I was thinking about this movie. I was like, I don't know if I needed that. And I'm sure now it makes sense <laughs> him saying I didn't need it either. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and and he said he said the company's theory was they felt like they needed this story to be personal to Jaime and that this was the way to do it. It's one of the rare times I'm going to agree with the company here. Right, studio interference for the win. I think it was. <laughs> I think it was. Like, and I say that because I did feel like, you know, him fighting, uh, uh, what's his name? The, the guy at the end? Yeah, Caliban. Yeah, Caliban or whatever his name was. Like, Curry. that 
uh, yeah, Carapax. Sorry. Carapax. I wish that they would. I, I wish that they would. Somebody could just call him the Indestructible Man, so we could just call him the Indestructible <laughs> Man, which is who that character is in the comics, but they never did. Yeah. So, um, he he has. They call him Black Beetle. He's Omax Sue. I was worried. This isn't Black Beetle, right? You see enough bad movies. Yeah, I was telling Kendall about that. Yeah, we have to get to the Black Beetle conversation soon. But like, uh, we've seen so many still these movies uh, with the, with this kind of thing where it's like just, it, like he is a character we just at some right. point and Man is a ridiculous name that they yeah. didn't want to do it they, they but do now I'm forced to remember like his full name which is yes. again Conrad you know in the comic books he's Conrad Carapax uh, but like I, I the, that it, like in that fight scene and he's him and he's trying to finish him off like that also thought reminded me a lot of what I saw in those Spider-Man movies again yes Holland uh, Holland in, in the last one yes or even what we've seen from uh, from the first trilogy McGuire. with the Maguire versus like you yeah. know Green Goblin <laughs> I don't know if you saw someone had like the you know him fighting with the half mask like, yeah, oh, this yeah. is straight out of Spider-Man yeah. 1 <laughs> yeah. you know and like you said it also reminded me like that scene with her you know uh, and, and the dad dying it reminded me a lot of the Aunt May Green Goblin scene did. in the in the last Spider Man movie where you know like it happened organically but it didn't happen organically it was it was almost like he knew it was gonna happen and like you, you at that point you're like oh this villain like you said it's like that this guy's gotta go you know like, yeah this is the final straw you see how you feel about it being a good villain or not gotta go um, but yeah I thought that that moment you know was really good and really well done. Yeah, it worked really well, and and I think that it 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 it, it gave him and it gave the family the inspiration to, to actually bring the fight to them. Yes, in a way that it was I, super sad. I mean, it was it, sad. It, it, it was well it, done. It was well acted. Yeah, sometimes well those moments are just like oh, okay. Like, yeah, I knew this. Right. Go to the next year. Because you just had to fit. Like even though we 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 were only introduced him for a short time, and there's only so much time in a movie, it did really feel like he was like. I mean, I know he was the patriarch of the family, literally, but it really did feel like he was the glue. They did, yeah, like they, they, in the they, short they, time they, he was there, like this guy is the glue. Like he's got his crazy brother living on his couch. Yeah. Like they don't got a lot of money, but he's been carrying them on his back. You know, working as an auto guy. Like this is yes. he is the guy, and, and, and that he's a lovable guy. Like yes. even the fact that he's sitting there and he's like, you know, Jaime's like, what are you doing here? Like he's like, I don't know what my purpose is right now. My purpose is to talk to you. Like it's a touching moment. You really, you really feel like he's he's the guy in his yes. family. So when he dies. Yeah. Um, because yeah, because stupid Victoria Cord is is go, is just is just being reckless with you know how she's like I will just do anything by any means necessary to get back the scarab. It one is sad, right? Because like this, he he this shit didn't happen. Nothing to do with anything. He had nothing to do with any of this. Like she really was like, oh, all right, like you're gonna hide from me. All right, I'm just gonna pull up on your family. And right. she was like, yeah, all right, we'll kill them, whatever, like do whatever you gotta do. And it wasn't that's when Blue Blue had to come in and protect them. Yeah, but it, the fact that he got to that point, like put her over as a villain but then again like he was a really automatically initially sympathetic figure you know and so his death worked great and what did, I, 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 uh, I hate that like you have to I, I also hate that trope that we have to see like yeah, like a, a, somebody die somebody die especially a character you end up liking I know it's you know? always yeah. cause you feel like maybe this death would've maybe been more fulfilling if it was in a third movie or right, a fourth movie or whatever yeah. but like this worked very well, so again, I gotta give Warner Brothers Discovery credit. I think they were right on this. Um, do you? Well, I have a couple of points. Well, yeah. actually, first, there's a comment. I also like the the bit of social commentary on uh, on student debt 
and Jaime wanted, oh, yeah. wanted to find a good job out of college. Yes. It was very timely. Yes. Especially, I'm sure it wasn't planned, obviously, in terms of the timing, but it, it was timed very well yes. Yes. <laughs> um, with the release. And um, do you guys think that was planned by, or do you think that was a gun saffron interference or pre-gun saffron? What What part? The dad death. Oh, the dad death. Oh, that's a good question. I don't think so. Now, I don't think that's saffron and gone. It's funny. You, you mentioned, because that's an entry. I didn't even think about, like. Because I would have assumed that this, this movie would have been shot already by the so time those like, guys came on. So you think on. this was a Hamada? So, now, what happened now? I think this might have been, like, what's the name? Zaslov. Oh, Zaslov, Zaz- I guess? Yeah. Like, I don't know if he's coming out saying this, but whoever his goons are, okay. right, right, I think okay. they're the ones saying it. <laughs> right. Because Zaslov, he don't know yeah, his head from his ass. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> his his <laughs> movie. Whoever he is. All the only thing I said about Danny Zaslov, I think that's. I, I hate to. Toot my own horn, but that was yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> head from his ass. Let, let alone what the hell's happening in a blue right, beetle movie. Blue, yeah, he, he thinks blue beetles like a like a like a. Blue he blue thinks he thinks he thinks it's a new Tesla car. Right, exactly. He doesn't, he doesn't know what's going. On. Now, Zijolo said in an interview a couple of weeks ago, or it couldn't have been a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> it had to have been months ago because of the strike. But I'm not getting anybody in trouble. Uh, <laughs> but he, I saw an interview with him at some point. Um, I saw it this week or last week that he said that that he was asked about you know James Gunn's involvement you know and he said uh, he said him them, him and Peter have their hands have been in the kitchen in the last uh, the last bit of this movie so interesting he said that they have and Gunn that's very interesting Gunn said he had no involvement yeah or yeah, very not, little yeah it's not what Jolo said and again this very is an analogy so it's vague enough to where you're like, I don't know what that means. But it, it was I interpreted it as they approved everything, they watched everything, and they changed some stuff. Because I think the context was, I want to say, well, there was some conversation around the tech court stuff. Because um, we know... I almost, not to cut you off, but I, yeah. I mean, the last, I mean, not the last, but the, both, well, both, I guess, technically. Uh, I mean, the, the post-credits scenes don't have any acting in them. Yeah, no. So, yeah. So, I mean, those are scenes that absolutely James Gunn could have influenced. Right. Like, they, they didn't have to call anybody. Right. And and the main one being, of course, the head court one. The, the word is that uh, Angel, from what I've heard, that he wanted Jason Sudeikis to play tech court. And there were rumors and reports going back a year or two ago that Jason Sudeikis was cast. I don't remember this because mm. I wasn't looking at Blue Beetle. Information That's like great. that, but he was. That cast. feels like something we might have, we might have talked about on the show. I know we may we probably did. We've but, been doing this podcast for so long. We yeah. talk about so many different things. Like that, was, that sounds like yeah. a thing that could have. Yeah, that we could have mentioned that. I probably didn't care yeah. though. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> you're probably we're never gonna see a blue yeah, beetle like, movie. Whatever. Yeah, like, no, I probably had that. Here we are, 2023, talking about a blue beetle movie. And people pointed out that saw the movie. They're like in the Cord Mansion. There's a picture of Ted Cord, and they're like that's Jason Sudeikis, or it looks interesting. Like it's a painting, but you're like that's clearly you know the vision for what they were looking for. And obviously, people don't know if that'll still be the case now that they've shifted new management and whatnot. But that was part of the thing where people were like, "Yeah, they had to have changed some stuff uh, in regards to Take Core. Maybe they've because I think people said that Take Core that he was supposed to be in this movie and that they may have cut it out because Gunn doesn't know if they want to actually use Jason to take that Take Core <laughs> essentially. Yeah, he wants to cast his own guy uh, if they're going to use him in like a Booster Gold yeah. show or something like that. But um, but yeah, that that. Idea of and so, the, with the popularity of Ted Lasso, though, I mean, 
I mean, I think that, you'd, be, you'd be a perfect be, casting. I think that'd be foolish to go to somebody else. Yeah, it'd be perfect yeah, that'd be casting. Fantastic. Um, and, I, and do we know who who was the voice? I know, right? It probably probably could have got somebody generic. I don't know who the voice is? Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know if they credited them. Um, <laughs> okay, but I think. To me, it, you know, you, especially if you would have had that moment kind of like in Star World Season 1 where, you know, Starman, you know, shows up. Yeah, again. Right, yeah. Not, you know, no spoiler. You know, I don't think anybody really <laughs> thinking about that too much. But uh, where Starman shows up at the end of Season 1 and it's like, if they could have had that moment with Ty Cord and they actually saw him, which I think that's what they were planning for, that could have been cool. But Joel McHale was Starman. That, so yeah. I, yeah, that was yep. good. Yeah. Uh, I still have to finish it. But so do I. I don't think I ever watched Season 2. Um, but yeah, no. I think that that was their plan. Uh, but to me, the watching this movie, because also there was there was reports that like you know they were gonna do some you know tie-ins with other DC stuff or whatnot. But like watching this movie, it's so vague what universe this is in that like this could one hundred percent be in the DCU. And I think that Absolutely. that part yeah. makes me think that yes, like if there's any involvement that Gunn and Saffron had, I think it was watching this movie and be like, how can we make you know, this craft as this movie generic as possible that, so that you don't know that this isn't a DCEU yeah, because there's no way it was like that before we've seen other DCEU movies they all tie in so intimately this movie is just like yeah, yeah Batman and, you know right. and I think it's like where's them, Aquaman at and I think them not I think Gunn saying we didn't touch it is them not trying not to take credit for right. Unhell's work right I, I, I that that would be my presumption is people. primarily they're not they're trying to be like listen we didn't make this Right. Not, this is their work. We didn't meddle and tell them, "Hey, write this or do this." Right, like this right. is what they created. Um, yeah, so he's gotten such a genius. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, another Guardians or <laughs> Suicide Squad. Like, no, this is because he is a director too. Right. Exactly. You know? He's not just you know a, just a studio guy. So, so just for reference, Blue Beetle wrapped production in July of uh, 2022. Right, so he was he was on board at that point. Right. James Gunn was hired by then. Really, it's been more than a year since he's been at DC. Oh, maybe not. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, I was. I, I wasn't yeah, thinking he was so. He was hired in October. Fall, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, that that was. Yeah, that, I would. I would. Presume, that was filming. Right? I mean, they may. I don't know when discussions began, but right. I wouldn't presume that he was already on board. To yeah. Be able to yeah, and that. I mean, he had been storyboarding and trying to figure out what they were gonna do. For remember months, you know. Remember he had that January date, which we didn't know he was gonna make, and he finally he did make it on the last days before he actually announced what they were gonna be doing. Yeah. Right. yeah so. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I tend to. I tend to. I tend to feel like he probably didn't have as much involvement as we think. That's my theory. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think that. Right. I think that that involvement is just again making sure that he can say it's in the yeah. DCU and it not. Yeah, I, you know, I would tend to retcon anything that is, that would make it a plot hole. So that, we also bring it brings up now though a clear elephant in the room. Now that we've talked about James Gunn enough, which is why the hell did he not embrace this movie the way he embraced the Flash? Because this movie, I think we all agree, is better than the Flash. Yes. Yeah. yeah I think it's about it. I think it's at least a tier above. Yeah, right, absolutely. I agree. I'm not gonna say that it's like oh, it just punches a flash in the face or anything. I didn't hate the Flash. Flash had some right. goofy stuff that made it. I think that kept it from being a very good movie to just being like good to average. Like this is a very good movie. Yes, like the Flash yeah. is a B minus is a B plus. The right, Flash is a B is an A. Is an a. It pisses me off because, and I talked about it before in the last episode we did, but now that I've seen this movie. Like, that Flash movie is 
starring a criminal. Okay, a guy who's pled guilty. Sorry, a person who's pled guilty to things. Um, maybe not the most serious felonies, but someone who had these terrible run-ins with the law. They're they're bad. What do you, you and then they've had issues. You know, you know what I'm saying. Some of the stuff was, you know, dismissed. So okay, fine. But some of the stuff stuck, and right. they had to plead to a deal and and do whatever they have to do. A lot of it, I guess, is community service or probation. Like the way, and I know I'm not Gun didn't go out there and say, "Oh, Ezra Miller is amazing," but you wrap your arms around that project about it being so great and being the best superhero movie ever, possibly, and then you. With all the attention, all the budget, all the support that that film had, despite the obvious issues that were going on with Ezra Miller, and then you 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 don't really say anything about this movie, other than that it's still part of your DCU, which is doesn't really tell me anything. Like right. it tells me that you don't hate Zolo, right. <laughs> but it doesn't tell me the movie's yeah. good. And and remember, you know? he said is like it's, he said it's the first character, not the first movie. Right, and he made yeah, and he made it clear that this was. This was not going to be the first movie in his DCU. That this was a movie that's still technically prior to The Flash in terms of the timeline within the movie. So, like, it's messed up that they didn't, that he didn't do more and DC and Warner as a whole didn't do more to promote this film. And they did all that stuff with The Flash. Now, I know the argument that people were saying, everybody's going to say, is, well, they could not promote The Flash with the actors themselves. So, therefore, or at least Ezra. Maybe not they. Everyone else could, but they couldn't do it with Ezra. And then there also was this weird like they didn't know what the future was really because they had to see how it performed. Part of it too, so it had to be an unorthodox promotion. But this just looks weird. I don't like you have this almost entirely POC driven movie, and you don't have anything good to say about it. Basically, <laughs> be honest, he had yeah, nothing good not, to say. Not about nearly it. on the same. Nothing good to say. He he didn't say anything bad. But he didn't say anything good. And you have this Flash movie that has this massive moral conundrum that's attached to it, and you're willing to put it over in the level that he put it over. It's a bad job by James Gunn. I'm just call it like it is. That's a bad job by James Gunn. And I've been a James Gunn supporter. I've been the biggest supporter of him on this show. But that was ridiculous, especially when you consider this movie had... Had, somehow it had less budget and somehow the CGI looked better in this than it, than the yes. Flash in a lot of instances. Yes. And it was actually interesting not to do it go on a separate tangent, but like some of the issues some people have with CGI. And CGI did look cheap at times, but like I actually kind of liked some of the CGI or lack thereof. I actually think it helped with the combat a I mean, lot that the, they didn't do so much the, CGI. The, the practical suit, I think, is excellent. It's it's like I don't care if you tell me it looks like it's from two thousand five. It's just better. There's some of this computer-generated crap that I gotta watch <laughs> year in and year out from DC and Marvel. Marvel in that stupid yeah. Atlanta sweatshop and the stuff that DC's been doing with the Flash and, and just it being a full CGI fest. Like, I got to see Blue Beetle actually kick somebody in the face and it looked awesome. Like, it was like, like sometimes that's all you need. EJ, I gave you a shout-out on our last Imperial broadcast because yes. we were talking about, uh, we were talking about, we were previewing Ahsoka and I was like, you know, you know, Marvel, I mean, D, D, you know, Spy, Star Wars, I feel like, you know, they're in the same planets and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like, EJ likes to talk about the Atlanta sweatshop, yeah. I was like, Lucasfilm's got to get out of there, yeah, whatever the, studio. The, uh, the ILM, yeah, the ILM volume, sweatshop. You know, yeah, I don't know where they shoot them do the Lucasfilm stuff. Yeah, but it, 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 everything looks the same, but like, but 100%, like, Blue Beetle, decide, and 
I mean, look, you talked about Jolo being Cobra Kai. He's got some of a martial arts background, so that also allows yes, for the true. combat to be a little bit more uh, hand-in-hand as well. Um, yeah. So I'd agree with you, DJ. Long gun. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I'd agree with you, DJ. Um, you know, I, I definitely think more should have been said, especially considering um, the movie's better. Um, yes. And I know that's a subjective thing, but, you know, Gunn didn't have anything bad to say about the movie. Like, so, he knows the movie's good. So, you know, why not promote it? To me, it's almost now, like he didn't want to promote it. And that's this is where I get into my, like, tinfoil hat. Because then you say, okay, well, why is he so... Okay, it was good, but, like, he didn't know people were going to think it was good. So, why, like, maybe he just wanted to be safe. I feel like he didn't want to be attached to Angel. And I don't think he wanted to be attached to any of these other people. And that's why he didn't want to promote this movie. Because if he did, then it meant he was going to hire all these people back. And that's foul. Because again, you attach yourself to. I know Sasha Kaye is, is a POC as well, um, but you again fully attach yourself to everything the Flash was doing about how great it was, and that movie had all these issues uh, off I'm the field, gonna... so to speak. And like, I'm like, I'm like, yo, you, like, because you can't. He didn't want to commit to it being a sequel. He didn't want to commit to like. All he says is that this character is going to continue. That doesn't mean that means this character could continue again in a Young Justice movie or a Titans movie. Like, it doesn't have right. to be a Blue Beetle movie but now there's going to be a clamoring for that and I think James Gunn looking at his own mind and feeling like he wants to you know do things his way he didn't want anything to do with this right. and that that part of it is why I'm sour I, I'm gonna shoot James Gunn uh, a little bit of flack or lack thereof I was gonna play devil's advocate but I'll let you <laughs> I, the way I'll present it is like this if, if you were if you were in James Gunn's shoes and you got hired by DC in a job that you probably slightly underqualified for just because, you know, in terms of being the, the CEO, studio head, you know, not a job that he's ever had. Right. But, you know, they gave it to him because he's a great creative and you put him with another and st- he studio knows guy. The canon well. knows the canon. Probably a good fit for it. But again, yeah. a job that no one else would give him, you know. Yes. Um, he would never be the head of an, another studio. Universal. That's not his own. Yeah, well, yeah something like that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and you know one of the contingencies, or one of the one of the things that's contingent on is we're hiring you. We need you to say that the Flash is the greatest movie that's ever been made. <laughs> you know, like if that's because that's what I think happened. I think I don't think right. that that was James Gunn's because again, I've listened, we've listened to James Gunn talk before. Not. He's not an idiot. You know, he knows for the most part what's a good movie, what's a bad movie. Pretty straight shooter for the most part. Right, pretty straight will, shooter. I will say this: he's not someone who really speaks in hyperbole very much. No, yeah, yeah, for the most part, yeah, <laughs> fairly <laughs> honest. I I don't get the sense that he would just he would say something like that if if he is like and I don't I don't disagree with that at right. all like I, I totally think Zaslav totally was, think was this is a this is a Zaslav direct directive. that was directive but he could have freestyled and talked highly of Blue Beetle 100%, nobody was yeah. gag ordering him saying don't say anything good about Blue Beetle I think that was his decision one hundred percent that's I, my I, problem yeah, is I, that I you, yeah, okay I those statements are to your name. I agree. I don't know if you really believe it. I doubt that you really believe it. I highly believe there's a chance that someone told you to say that. But whatever. You could control what you say about Blue Beetle and how you promote it. And instead, you decided to kind of play hands off. And you gave it no help. Like, this movie clearly needed... They needed a ton of help. They were on a strike. It's a movie on a character a lot of people aren't familiar with. I think... We have to live in a reality now where there is superhero fatigue. I, I think for a long time it was bogus. I don't think it's bogus anymore. Like, this movie 
and it's a full POC class. It's almost cast almost exclusively. Like this movie needed help, and James Gunn's name, his star power, like he could have helped it a ton, and he didn't. Yeah, he just didn't. Yeah, and that that and him his him making that conscious decision is my beef. Yes, I am juxtaposing it to what he said about the Flash, and it's fair to say well maybe that wasn't all he wanted to say about the Flash. And that's true, but he still could have controlled what he said about Blue Beetle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my devil's advocate would have been similar. I would, I, I would have also added that this is that he's similar to what everyone else, what you guys said. He's also this is also the movie that's rebooting his universe. Right. He's gonna want to get people to, you know, look. I mean, necessary. Go see the movie. But it did not. I don't know if it's a flash but like, there was nothing in it. That tells you anything about what James Gunn is doing. I know. Like people came away with the conclusion, oh, so so George George, Clooney's Batman. Yeah, George Clooney's Batman. He's like, (laughs) it makes no sense. And he's like, no, it's not. And it's like, then Then what was the point of all? Yeah, why would you put that in there? Uh, Like, I like I I agree with Warren in the sense that I think it also like it's the movie that he would care about more. Like again, from his perspective, not as a studio head, but you know, just from a selfish standpoint, because like like Shamari said. It, it, it accomplishes the thing that he needs more. Like, Blue Beetle, again, is just a movie that happens, you know, in his mind. It's just another superhero movie, whereas The Flash is a movie that erases everything and <laughs> allows him to start over. So he needs, he doesn't need people to see it, but he'd rather people, you know, see that movie, you know. And again, why it has to be one or the other, they're not like they're coming out at the same time. I also, but. I also think he knows Andy Muschietti. That's just a conspiracy theory. Tim. Well, I, yeah, I do think that's. Too. I do um, think that he thinks highly of Andy. Well, we know. I mean, he's he's going to be doing, doing Batman, Batman yeah. Raven the Bold. Which... Yeah, yeah. I think he, I think he knows Andy personally. Uh, they, I think, but and I and I, and I say that and also because and that's a problem because yeah. again, like how much of the problem with Hollywood, the problem with mm-hmm. a lot of our society is the old boys club, and look, you know, Mushay's not American, but, you know, he's still white, and, like, I do, and, like, I'm not saying John, James Gunn, oh, he can't know POC people, but I agree. I think that he knows Muschietti. Muschietti's a, a longer figure in this game, and Angel is newer, and this is maybe his biggest movie he's ever done. Like, yeah, that's a problem, that, like, because he knows Andy, and he, he's a fan of Andy, that he's gonna push Andy for that sake, and not push Ironhawk because he doesn't really know who he is. Like I, that's that's the issue. That's a huge issue. Because that's that's that 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 that's how we get to these yeah. problems. We ask why there is enough representation yeah. when it comes to directors, when it comes to actors, when it comes to um, the kind of movies we see. Like this, that this is exactly the issue. I, yeah. To me, I, again, I I don't think that it, I don't think he had anything personally against Blue Beetle. I just think Blue Beetle is in the same family as Shazam. In that you know, which again is also I think a mistake, but like I just think, like I just don't think that they, he had a directive, you know, a gun over his head saying you need to promote this movie the heck out of this movie as much. Do whatever you can live if you have to get people to see it. <laughs> right. And um, whereas with you know Shadam and you know with uh, Blue Beetle, I'm sure there was no directive. You could just be honest, and I think for the most part, I think. You know, like you just said, didn't say anything uh, to, to, to discourage people from seeing it. But um, 
probably didn't embrace it as much as you would have loved. Uh, to be fair, there are some people that don't love this movie. I again, I really enjoyed it. Some people think it's okay. You know, is it possible that James Gunn watched it and was like, you know, I think it's, I think it's good. You know, it's I, there were good elements. So, you know, I'll take, but I don't know. But my, again, my, the, the 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 problem then sits where it's like, how could you say that about this movie? Then watch the Flash and then just lie through, just lie through your teeth like that. That is the greatest movie ever. And and again, if it's about Zaslov, it's about Zaslov. But like, you got to know you're gonna take the heat. Because you're so, the ones that are saying it. You're the ones saying it. Zazzle said some stuff too, but you're the, nobody cares what you say. So, kind of jumping into negatives, did you guys yeah. have any negative takes on this on this movie? Well, I mean, the one question I was going to ask you guys, because you talked about uh, OMAC, you know, yeah. is the one trope that this movie has that I think it does struggle with as everything, you know, as most movies nowadays, is the copycat villain. Copycat villain. The copycat villain, Check we talk box. about it. I mean, you know... That's the one. That's the one trope that I'm like. We didn't need that. Um, EJ, you mentioned Black Beetle. Uh, that is a character that, you know, if you've watched Young Justice, uh, especially, you associate as the Blue Beetle villain. You know, the perfect Blue Beetle villain for a movie like this. Particularly the perfect Blue Beetle movie for uh, villain for a sequel. Um, maybe not. Maybe not a first movie, but a second movie. If you're getting like a like a Carnage type. Yes, yeah, like a Carnage type. The last thing we needed was Riot, you know, like, from uh, from Venom 1, where it's like, here's a, another symbiote before we get to the real symbiote villain that we want to see in the second movie, <laughs> and if we get a third one, maybe we'll get another symbiote villain. You know, I you're setting up a villain that's not, he's not another alien scarab villain, but they was, they, he was a copy guy, he was, you know, the same powers, same energy source, whatever, ironmonger type you know, that was the other thing <laughs> I told my brother Henry. I was like, "Look, I mean, this guy—he's like—he's as a villain. He's a mix between Emil Blonsky and like and Obadiah Stane. It's like a weird, you know, Ironmonger abomination thing. Ex-military guy taking signing up for the super soldier serum. <laughs> but uh, but I didn't I didn't need that guy to be a, another beetle. Uh, personally, because just again the way he like, especially the way like his powers worked. Like, I know they needed to have the whole him transferring the scarab's energy and all that. Don't have him in a giant beetle looking costume, like you know. And I guess you could argue he wasn't beetle looking, but like, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I thought it was pretty. It was pretty close to what that. I, I thought it was. It was pretty accurate to the comic books, right? But I, I just. I'm not saying having to be whiplash or something like that, but just I don't know. I I don't want to just I have it. It is not quite like Killmonger, you know, where he's just Black Panther costume with gold. Um, but presented in a way where I just visually doesn't look so much like oh, this is evil Beetle versus you know good Beetle. Yeah, I probably could have. Um, so I I. That would have been my negative as well, um, until they gave him a backstory. I very much enjoyed the fact that they gave him a, a very touching and meaningful backstory. Yes, uh, yo, um, yeah. I, I mean, montage. I was getting ready to destroy this guy, but and until the <laughs> yeah, last, to the last, you know, arc and they, the, you know, the movie, and they gave him that backstory at the very end. I was like, wow. Yeah, I was like, wow. You know what? Good villain. Yeah. <laughs> you know, good yeah. story. And that just. And it's rare that I, it's there's I can count on my hand the amount of times I 
totally 180. Right. On like, yeah. I hate this guy. Just get him out <laughs> of this one movie. Scene. And then it's like, oh wow, just like completely. Yeah. Because <laughs> it made it it made so many things that I was watching the movie like, why is he following her? Like this, you know, like yeah, he's like care packs. Yeah, I'm like I like at this point he's she has no power or anything. Yeah. Like, you know, but then you realize oh he's being brainwashed. You know, he yeah. doesn't remember all this stuff. Somehow his memory got wiped, and like he's he's only remembers remnants of this stuff. And now it's like, oh, now that part makes sense. And oh, now you actually start to again feel sympathy for the guy. You're not like, oh, this guy's just again evil bodyguard guy that you see yeah. in a uh, in a Frankie Muno's agent Cody Banks movie. You know, yeah. like he's one of those types of guys. But yeah. and it was a story that's so in you know, of course, like I'm not. Latino, but it seemed like a story that's very relevant to that culture. Right? Oh yeah, like very relevant right. to that culture, and one that would that would resonate with a lot of, um, you know, people from with that um, cultural background. So it was just so it was just beautifully done. It was beautifully done. By the end, it, it changed my opinion. Um, though I agree, it's still, I mean, in terms of powers and fights and whatnot, it's still a copycat. Though I did enjoy their fights, I would say. Um, yeah, I enjoyed their fights really more than a lot of other copycat fights. Yeah, it was up there with Ant Man and Yellow Jacket. Yeah, no, I, and, I, well, <laughs> and, I, and I would and I would actually say this was very reminiscent of this whole what Victoria Corps was trying to do is very reminiscent to me of Ant Man with the whole with Cross and him trying oh, to do the whole Ant Man soldiers and it was the same thing, yeah. the exact same thing. Yeah, so that was just funny to me. Yeah, and I'll be honest, to me, I didn't feel. I didn't feel this was a copycat as you guys do. Like, to me, like, Black Beetle is a copycat. Like, this guy was... I know Blue Beetle... The Scarab is, like... It's like a... It's a it's a symbiote meets some... Some armor, but it's not really armor. Like, this guy is... This guy is like Iron Man, almost. Like, he really is... <laughs> right, right, right. Like, War Machine. Like, he really is, like, a bodysuit, essentially. Now, the O... The, the Omax, like, it... Because it, it, it acts almost as a scarab, it kind of maybe brings some of that. But I didn't I didn't feel this over thing of like this is such a copycat villain. Like I felt like the way his powers worked, the way he used his powers was like so different than Jaime that I didn't feel it as much as you guys did. So I didn't have that much of a beef. There was there's some of the oh, a guy in a suit versus a guy in a suit deal and like maybe that is where I could see some of it. Where I kinda thought, Oh, maybe it would have been better if there was just like I don't know, just like some monster or something that they have to stop or whatever. But I think the reason why I didn't bother me as much also is that, to me, like, Victoria Corps really is the villain of this movie. This guy is the physical muscle behind it, but she's the one calling all the shots at all the times, and she's the one pointing the gun, so to speak. So, like, that kind of also, if there was a feeling of this is a little copycat, took it away from me because he's so, like, kind of irrelevant. <laughs> in the large scheme of things, he's relevant in terms of the physical threat. I really did a good job making him such a physical threat. Um, but he was still, and I like that, like, you know, he was able to uh, oftentimes or uh, several times in this movie, like, get the upper hand on Jaime Reyes. Like, the fact that this is Jaime Reyes, who's not a soldier, who's not a whatever, who's just learning this thing. And this guy, even though he doesn't even, before he got the full scarab energy, he didn't even have, like, the. Uh, powers that Jaime had, but he had the the, the ruthlessness, which he mentioned, uh, you know, your family is your weakness or whatever. Right. He had the ruthlessness, he had the military training, he had the 
the the the wherewithal to still you know put himself in situations where he uh, put Jaime in a dangerous spot. So yeah, I think like I said before, I mean, did anyone else feel? Did anyone else get annoyed by Jenny Jenny Cord, or was I the only one who who, who did? I didn't. Annoyed? Personally. I didn't. I didn't mind her. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I felt like she. Um, yeah, no, honestly, I didn't mind her. Especially, I think I was wondering where it was going. Um, but especially once we got to like the cord lab, like the cord, I forget what they call it, yeah, but like the cord cave. Or, yeah. Um, but it was uh <laughs> i did but but once once we got there i was like nah i'm done i, I will say that I'm that cool aspect that aspect of her character and of the story was my probably my favorite part of the story because so often we don't really and i think one sh- one show did a great job of kind of speaking to how the life of a superhero affects other people is black lightning and this felt very Black Lightning, like her mm-hmm. explaining like what it was like to have a guy, a dad who's a superhero and like mm-hmm. what that means and uh, how, you know, they're not around when your mom dies. They're not around for how your life falls apart. And then they, dis- they disappeared because he was too busy trying to be a superhero. Like, I think like tying that aspect to her character, I thought was uh, was great, honestly, because it's something that, that we oftentimes... We don't really get to see like we, we see it, but we see it kind of in a cheap way. We just see it as the, oh, I can't make your, you know, it, it's, I don't know. It's hard to explain, and I hate to come doing a podcast. I should be able to explain it better. But it, it, it just, it was a different twist to it that I enjoyed. Like, here's this person who's like, this guy was a superhero. I'm sure he saved a bunch of people, but now I'm alone in this mansion with all these stupid gadgets. I was shocked that the core, that... Sh- that the Reyes family didn't get that mansion. Like, I thought that that's what they were setting up when they, like... Oh, that's kind of a good point. ...introduced it. I was, like, waiting for it. I was like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, when the house started burning, when I saw the match, I was like, here we go. <laughs> they get in the mansion, you know? Because <laughs> I was like, they were talking, oh, we're losing the house, and, you know, and then she's like, yeah, you know, let me go down to our mansion, you know? Nobody nobody lives here anymore. I was like, oh, yeah, perfect. Yeah, I feel like that had to have been a rewrite. I'll be honest, though. I... And maybe they felt it didn't it's work. It's going to be... Look, I mean... I guess that's the weird thing about this movie that I guess they're not attached to really anything. I guess we have to see how the new James Gunn universe looks, I guess. Cause and like I said, this movie is so vague that it might be in the new James Gunn universe. But the way this movie out. sets up is, again, is that like, you know, they're going to get a new house where where they were. And, you know, that Jaime Reyes is the hood champ. Yeah. Which is a... I'm not saying that it's the wrong way to go, but it's a very interesting way to go for it. Kendall mentioned a superhero who doesn't have a secret identity. Right. Everybody knows where his family lives. Now, <laughs> what I will say is this felt more authentic than them going living in a mansion. Like, I, right. I actually, to me, like, I thought, like, because the whole way I was thinking about this was, like, I don't know. I, to me, it, it would have felt weird because they did all this stuff about gentrification and people being mm-hmm. displaced. And, yes. And the rich people, the rich white people, decide they want to live here, and, that, and they're moving us out here. And now they're moving, to, now they're trying to move into where we are, which is a story that we hear so often. Like it would have been weird to me if then they were just like, oh, like we're this humble family who just want to stay in our neighborhood. And Jenny Core's like, don't worry, guys, I got a full ten bedroom mansion yeah. that has a full superhero lair set up for Jaime for the rest of his life. Like that would have been weird. That that wouldn't have felt right. This family 
that would have felt like you guys are being fugazi, like you yeah. guys are being hypocrites. Like y'all, as soon as yeah. y'all run into some good luck, now you guys are gonna live in a right. mansion. Like, and it's not, it's not. I feel like these characters would want to live in their in their city. They want to live right. in their neighborhood. And they made a big thing about that that home too. Right. Like, it was and, a big deal being there. No, I mean they did say you know he did set up the whole thing as well. We're gonna have a mansion and we're gonna yes, you know, gonna get us out of here kind of yeah. thing. But like that's I didn't think about that. That is a good point. But. But I, I wouldn't have liked. Now, I would have liked the whole thing of like her like her, giving, her it giving it. Now you Jenny, know, like, <laughs> now I, I think there's a chance. I, <laughs> I, I, weird. Yeah, yeah. Now there's yeah, a chance. Yeah. There's a chance to me that Jaime could live there because right. I mean, remember he takes her there. Like that's where they yeah. leave at the end of the movie. Right. Yeah. And you know, he's out of college. He doesn't have to live in his family home. Right. But like I thought it would be weird if like the family. All of them. decided to live in this <laughs> right. crazy mansion right. way outside. I just thought, city. yeah, the thing that would have been weird about it was just like the very. I know she said no one else lives there, and the Cord family's kind of gone anyway for the most part. But like, it still would have been like, man, that's that's somebody else's. Like, you know, that's still like a museum for her. Like, it'd yeah, be weird right. to now. Oh yeah, now it's the Reyes home. Like that, would have been <laughs> that part. And I'm sure. They, I'm th- I, to, honestly the way it was written. I almost feel like they thought about it. And they planted some seeds, but then they were like, "We're not doing that." I can see that. I can see them going back and forth. Whether or not that was going to be the ending, the, the right, the right move. Mm-hmm. How do we feel about how this movie ended? I mean, first of all, how do we feel about the the counter offensive that we saw from the Reyes family? Another controversial part. Another, yeah, definitely another contra- controversial part in the movie. Uh, some people didn't like it. Yeah, like the proud family. To me, you know, to me, it was but, like a. You know, I was gonna call her Abuela Tubman. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of why I dug it, right? Because to me, it was like they they kind of explained it. Yeah, like yeah, was grandma funny. was fighting the revolution. Yeah, I think she she's afraid of some. She was a gorilla. She's afraid of yeah. these freaking like, these uh, court goons. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, all right, I'm not. That's why I see here. I was like, I and I know her daughter is gonna be someone who could scrap if you tell me that's her mom. Yeah. yeah. So like, I was like, ah, I think I'm okay. I don't think I can really trip about this. You know, yeah, and yeah. Uh, it it brought a little bit of humor, and it wasn't like you had you know Obuela fighting you know I don't know the Injustice Society, right? Or he's fight or they're <laughs> yeah, fighting yeah. you know she's she's fighting goons, uh, you Smoking. know Lady Shiva. Yeah. Like okay, there's a certain point where you're like, all right, this is gonna get a little too far. I mean, she's fighting <laughs> random, you know, basically a stormtrooper like goons. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, I think if you tell her how to use a terror gun, she would probably do damage, even though she's old. Like, yeah. she's got heart. She's got gut. Like, it's, right. it's a movie. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and it fit the... Like, the movie's and very fit, comedic. Fit yeah, the tone. It, it fit the tone of the movie. It fit the heart of the movie. Like, right. he really... He, that, that's a, that is a very tight-knit family. Right. It very much fit. I didn't mind it at all. It would have been... It, it, it almost would have felt, felt like an omission if, like, the third act was just Yeah, me. Or if it was just, like, uh, like Jenny... Right. Like breaks in, like yeah. it'd be like, well, what am I saying? What they're just sitting, sitting around, right? After they just came in and burned down their home, yeah, they and, ki- and killed their 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 uh, you know the the father figure. And the that's whole. true because how many times they do, and that's also, and there's probably some meta dialogue in that too, like the idea that people who are oftentimes you know displaced, thrown away, that they just take it lying down. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they people will say, that, "Oh, why did you just why don't you fight back?" Like, people do fight back. <laughs> so they're fighting against machines that you know are very difficult. But these people don't they don't take this thing lying down. So that's actually I think there's yeah. there's some commentary in that the fact that they were someone like we're and not going to just and I also like how they lie flip, down how they flip the where the hero usually has to go and save 
his family. Yeah. Like the family actually had to save him. Yeah, he was the one kidnapped. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought that was, that, <laughs> I think that's very cool as well. And, and they, they, it's not like this was Shang-Chi. Like if Shang-Chi, <laughs> if the third act of Shang-Chi was like the family, you know, Aquafina's family or right, his right. family coming in there and like, you know, saving him, I'd be like, this doesn't make any sense. Right. You know, or like, what are they even doing? Here? Like, they've right. had like two scenes in the movie. They, oh, this, they were this, this, the whole movie was about them. Yeah. So like, it, I didn't feel like, who are these people? Or, I don't know who these people are. You know, it, it yeah, it was a little. Uh, it might have been a little jarring for some people, but it it, it was going in that direction anyway. So it fit uh, what they were trying to do. Uh, again, I could see why some people. Again, we talked about it. We talked about going into the movie like it's it's Blue Beetle. Um, this is an Avengers Endgame. You know? <laughs> right, right. Like, not every. It's the same. The same mindset you go into when you see Ant Man. You know, or you see some of these other movies. Like, yeah, like Ant Man's goon. You know, like goons, but his heist buddies, like Michael Pena right, and them. It's exactly. the same yeah, concept. Ti. Yeah, Ti. Like, they, <laughs> right. you know, I know that that's their job, but like, they're getting into stuff that they shouldn't be getting into anyway. In terms of, it's above their power right. level, but that's part of the joke. <laughs> you know, that's part of the right. bit. You right. Know? It's the same kind of deal, but. Uh, yeah, I thought that this wasn't too bad. It didn't ruin it for me. Also, you know, George Lopez was fantastic. He was awesome. I mean, Rudy, I didn't, I didn't, for some reason, I didn't, maybe I was just being naive. I didn't think he'd be as, like, integral to, like, yes. major points in this story. I didn't until I saw, like, reviews of people being like, George Lopez is incredible. I was like, oh, really? Yeah, I thought he was just like, oh, we need a name. So, yeah, he's the most one of the most recognizable Mexican act, Mexican actors we have in Hollywood so that's why we had George Lopez in it but like he actually played like a perfect role um, and I think like using Rudy as a character with his intellect because that's really like his main thing he's like the gadget guy yeah. and how they, they they used his background to make him that guy was great and then like his dialogue was great, and, and you know George, he 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 knocked out all the dialogue. He knocked it all out of the park. Yeah, he was yeah. A, a great part of this thing. Again, yeah, to me there wasn't too much. I mean, again, there were some times where you know he felt like hey, CGI could have been a little better, but again, I almost get a little bit of a pass because the times where they decided not to be heavy on CGI, I think allowed us to actually see much better combat than we would have seen had they made this a CGI fest. So I almost give you a, a more of a pass on certain things that. I thought maybe it could have looked a little better because you didn't fork over the tens of millions of dollars would have needed to make it look better. There's a chance it wouldn't have been because we've seen now how many of these movies that are just where they're they're so reliant on CGI that it just doesn't end up working. So, so Jenny Quartz of some stuff that uh, annoyed me a little bit, but out of that, there really wasn't a lot of major knocks for me with this film. Again, maybe the only thing I would say, like I said before. Doesn't exactly reinvent the wheel, uh, which probably caps its potential or its ceiling. You know, is yeah. this can never like be Spider Verse does? Yeah, this can't be a top five superhero movie just because like it's so like we've seen so much of this stuff before. Um, but it, it, that's that's not necessarily a knock on it, it being a bad movie. Yeah, it's, it's just a smart approach. Yeah, it's, it's a smart approach. It just it just caps me what your overall score probably could be for a film like this. The mm-hmm. the only thing about the Jaime Reyes character that I have questions about. It's not really good or bad. It's just the direction they went is obviously we only have one movie and who knows when, if and when we'll see this character again. Yeah. Um, but um, 
like we we only really saw him like interacting with his family and the cords you know what i mean like we didn't really see him out of his out of that element and so like i just i i would just wonder like you know to get more connection with that character because there's so much happening in this movie. Yeah, I mean, this movie kind of, I mean, this character needs a sequel. Yes, like, the there's way not they, much that happens. Like, which is why I'm very, I'm looking at kind of looking at James Gunn being like, alright, dude, like, this, like, because you're right, like, explore that this, do we, character. this character interacts with very, very few people. He interacts with, like, uh, the Cords, you know, Jenny and Victoria. Yes, his, his family. family. Some random per, uh, person who's in the front, uh, Front desk of court industries, Carapax, and like that's it. Yeah, he doesn't interact with any other people. Right. So we know we and so we know of Jaime in a very it's a narrow scope for like who he is and like how he interacts with. People. That's why. I'm what like, we've seen is great, but it's right. still very narrow. And in some ways, it's actually probably the most maybe besides, like Jenny stuff kind of shows made him being a little more like goofy or whatever. But like it's the most. It's probably the most. Authentic Jaime, we'll see, which is probably why this works so well. But, like, we don't get to see how he interacts with, like, again, certain authoritarian authoritarian figures. How right. he interacts with peers. He doesn't really have a peer in this movie. Like, no. Jenny's a love interest and is super rich and, like, right. like totally it's not a, not a peer, you know? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. so, like, seeing who he, how he interacts with peers and other students or things like that, like, that would probably be something that would be important. Which is why I think another movie is needed. Like, I, don't, I wouldn't want the next appearance behind Jaime Reyes to be he's showing up. In some other movie, that I don't want to see. I mean, I'll see it. Cause I'm enjoying what I'm seeing from. He's so Zola. good that Zola's I wouldn't great. mind it. I mean, I'm not gonna sit here and say I'm I'm offended or mad, but like, we need to see another Blue Beetle too. Like that, like that. We need right, to see right, that. Right. Like, cause we need to see how they would continue the story and how his story evolves from here and how he does in terms of other things. I don't want the next thing to be he's interacting with Damian Wayne. You know, like I like that. That just feels that feels like a, a big leap. I would like to see a Blue Beetle 2 as well. Um, I wouldn't mind it if he showed up in something else um, before, just because I don't know how fast they, you know, I don't know how fast they, they want to pump. Uh, yeah, I don't think, I don't think Blue Beetle, I mean, it's not, I know James said there is not the the monsters and gods, the phase we're in, whatever they're calling chapter. it, chapter we're in, yeah. is not everything we've seen. But I, I would bet all the money I have that Blue Beetle is not in chapter one. Right. Right. That this phase that they've announced that has other things that haven't unannounced yet, Blue Beetle is not one of those yeah. unannounced. Now, so like, if it does so get announced, it's because Zaslav or someone says, or maybe James right. has a change of heart and says, okay, I got to do something now. So if Blue Beetle shows up in something else, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind that at all, personally. Uh, before now, we get his... What if I told you, 30 for 30 style, what if I told you <laughs> that he is a... Uh, let's say he's Danny Rand in Luke Cage. Look at season two. Um, let's say he's Danny Rand, Luke Cage, season two in a Booster Gold show. Like he's in it, or he's you know, or he's Punisher. You know, in a in a, in a Punisher and Daredevil. In a because Booster Gold, we are supposed to be getting a Booster Gold series. What if I told you that he's in it? Now, I would assume take I mean, I mean, in Punisher. I mean, that's Punisher is in what four or five episodes of Daredevil. I mean, right. Danny Rand's in one episode of yeah, so Luke Cage. So that's, yeah. Those are yeah, those yeah. are two different things. Yeah, Tell me, he's Danny Rand. Like if he's just, probably just, a little essentially annoyed. like yeah, if essentially he's, if like, he's Punisher, yeah. that's different because that's 
that's a little different because I feel like it, at the very least, like you, it's still a narrow scope of us learning who he is because he's only interacting then with like whatever a show is gonna be. He's not gonna be interacting with a million people in a TV show, right? So it's still different. Yeah, because that's what that I think is most likely of everything that we see on the slate. The most likely that we'd see him uh, yeah. is with Booster Gold, mm-hmm. um, and maybe there's a connection there where Booster Gold worked with Takeover before, and that's part of the mystery potentially. Maybe, maybe the post credit scene is in part a Blue Beetle thing. Maybe it's also setting up that show for all we know. But um, well, I think that'd be a little weird, you know, the, <laughs> the premise of Booster Gold show being about Takeover. But, um, but that 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 would be the thing that. You know, because I, to me, again, I think it's like Robert Downey Jr. Where I'm like, you know, next, to, you know, the next time we saw Robert Downey Jr. was an in Incredible Hulk, you know, after Iron Man, you know, and, you know, obviously we got Iron Man, we got another Iron Man before we got Avengers, but like. So the, the things we have, the things we have in chapter one, Creature Commandos, Waller, Superman Legacy, Lanterns, The Authority, Paradise Lost, The Brave and the Bold. The Batman 2, but that's a different world, obviously. Booster Gold, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, Swamp Thing, and uh, and this has one Woman 3, but I don't know if that's confirmed. This is from Digital Fix. I mean, Booster Gold would probably be the one that looks seems the most obvious that would make sense, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so. Um, I can see it. I can see that being the case. I, I, just, I just know that I hope that things will be shifted in terms of the priority for Blue Beetle because this is something that DC should be capitalizing on. And I think the word of mouth, I can't, I don't know what, a, no, like we thought the word of mouth of how good Shazam was was going to make Shazam Zoo 2 a bigger hit. That didn't happen for a lot of different reasons. The fact that the Rain Universe was dying, the fact that exactly Levite, you know, turned out to be a bozo. Uh, the fact that you know we weren't going to be seeing any more additions, of, any more allusions to Black Adam. Like, there's a lot of reasons why Black the, the Shazam sequel failed from uh, in terms of a, of a commercial situation. I think that there's, I don't think that it's it's going to be an apples to apples with like why I think Blue Beetle would succeed or could succeed given uh, the right circumstances. So I think this is a good place to give a score for the Blue Beetle movie. So I'll go to Kendall first out of score of ten. What are you going to give Blue Beetle? Um, I'll say it is an eight. Uh, eight's fairly high for me. You know, it's I, high. I'm a, I'm a Shaq, uh, slam dunk contest judge, you know, or, you know, <laughs> if I've seen the dunk before, you can't get a 10. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I don't give a lot of, I don't give a, eight is a, is a, is a strong score. I think it's a 7.5 movie. But I think I think Jolo's performance gets mm-hmm. it to an eight. You know, I think he again, you know, one of the better introductions that we've had for a hero and an actor um, in this space in a long time. You know, I put him ahead of uh, any of these young Marvel heroes that we've had. You know, they've been good. Okay, you know? oh wait, let's I'm, so put him ahead of ahead of Amon Vellani's. Put him ahead of Amon Vellani. Put him ahead of Kate Bishop. Yeah, put him ahead of Kate Bishop. Put him ahead of. Who's among us young? That we uh, Ironheart. Put him, put him ahead of Riri. Yeah. What about Holland? <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> Why is that another <laughs> conversation? Another now, now, <laughs> I mean, look, Holland. I think, I think they're on the same tier. I think that's a conversation okay. that we could have. Uh, Holland, Spider Man. 
So, like, naturally, you have a little more, yeah. you know, there's more and more buzz around <laughs> that, but okay. no pun intended. But, uh, but if we're just talking strictly performance, accuracy, and whatnot, like, Holland was doing something very different than we had seen, but this is the first time he raised that we've had, and I, I, I'm like, I don't want to know. I don't want to see another one, you know. This is, our, I, this is the guy. I didn't necessarily have plans to see this movie again, but the way Kendall's put over Zolo, it makes me almost like I have to see it again. I was catching. I like by, by, I, li- I like yeah. Zolo, but Kendall like he's like this guy is the goat. This is like I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like 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 Fastbender McAvoy, you know, where I'm like this is you know again okay, elite casting. Um, wow. It's part of the reason why I think James Gunn's like yeah we're not you know we're not getting rid of this character. It would be stupid. You know, I mean if you want to use Jaime Reyes, if he's popular. You're not gonna recast, you know, if, if you have somebody that's that's already really really good. Where are you going, Sham? When you cut to a score here for Blue Beetle, uh, I give it an eight point five. I give it an eight point five. Is I thought it was a very good movie. It's a very good movie. Um, you know, I agree with you guys. It did follow a lot of tropes, and um, you know, I I I thought the villain was kind of was to me. I, I think to me, it fit the category of copycat. So you know. Get a couple couple points knocked for, knocked from there, but but I overall I enjoyed the movie. Mm-hmm. I very much enjoyed the movie. Very much enjoyed the performance of the entire cast, especially the star. Um, but the whole cast did a fantastic job. I thought the story was great. I love the message in the movie. I like all the Easter eggs, all the Blue Beetle Easter eggs, Ted Cord, and um, I thought the action was great. I just thought it was great. I just enjoyed. It. I enjoyed watching the movie. I look forward to seeing it on streaming. Um, so I give it an eight point five. Yeah, and speaking on Tech Court, I I like that they I like they treated Tech Court with a level of respect that I did not expect. Yeah, me too. Because so much because Tech Court I love Jaime Reyes and for most I guess Jaime Reyes has been the main Blue Beetle for more of my life than even Tech Court was. But, you know, Tech Court is the original Blue Beetle and like sometimes when you usher in new there's like a there's a feeling that you have to kind of like crap on the old or make the or or make the old old completely irrelevant like it didn't even exist and like I like that they really did I think like hold Ted Court up to a certain standard like and a lot of that was done by Rudy's dialogue Rudy's saying like hey this guy was a man like he wasn't as good as Batman but he was he was he was <laughs> great you know like like he's tried to protect our city and you know he just disappeared we don't know what happened to him but like and. Even and, and they did that while still showing like the campiness of this hero, which I right. enjoyed. Um, so I just wanted to make sure I gave that a shout out because I think that that like I fully expected this. Then because so many again, so many of these movies. Maybe I'm like maybe I'm like kind of cursed by Marvel, honestly. Like Marvel's like disrespect for canon. Now <laughs> they just like make everything that they don't want you to care about a joke right. and a loser. Yeah, and, we didn't do that, so we were not. Yeah, like so like the fact MCU that this movie did the exact opposite. It like lifted Jaime and also lifted Ted Cord, who's not in the movie. Like that's a very that's something that they did not have to do and a lot of I, I know Marvel would not have done. So I really appreciate that because I felt like okay, you actually really do have a respect for the canon. So again, shout out to Angel uh Soto. Like to me, I'm gonna get this movie I'm gonna get this movie an eight. That's funny. I, I came in, I thought I was gonna give it a seven point five, but then Kendall convinced me to give it an eight with his with his with his uh that's the in person uh, impact man, <laughs> person impact over Zoom. If I was, if I was, yeah, if I was back <laughs> in the crib, I went and I gave you, give him an eight. No, I'm gonna give this an eight because, well, again, is it the most technically sound 
when it comes to certain aspects like again how the cgi of it may sometimes it looks cheap again i mentioned some of the the jenny jenny cord almost became like to me watching the film at times she almost felt like a bad luck charm it's like having domino around but like the opposite way like Donald would give you good luck i felt like she was just bringing bad luck i'm just like jesus girl is not helping them at all um so th- there's there's part so so that part was not watching me was like oh man i don't like what is, and i'm supposed to root for this character like i just feel like she's not making anything any better but taking that aside this is just again an enjoyable movie and again a lot of like i said is the credit to the performances i mentioned zola i mentioned george lopez um i mentioned you know susan sarandon I, that character i thought was going to be again except for extremely hard to get over and, and be convincing and i mean didn't i say that on our show last week you thought she'd like, be awful i was like you gotta I mean, be a terrible yeah you thought it was terrible and i told you i thought that was harsh i gotta be because yeah just again i've seen too many of these movies where they just <laughs> ignore the villain in the promotion and you're like no way it's gonna be a good villain. and i was wrong she was she was solid you know not all time great but definitely yeah, better than the Marvel average for sure. <laughs> you know, better. You know, be upper half Marvel villain if that's what, that was the standard that we were looking at. Yeah, and um, and I got to shout out uh, Belissa Escobedo who played uh, his sister. I thought that especially early in the movie, I thought she really helped kind of, you know, kind of, you know, again we're learning about who this Jaime Reyes character is and, and her dialogue, uh, her playing off of him in this in, the, in this movie was yeah, really good early on with kind of figuring out who this person was. So uh, she was fantastic. Again, there there's there are no bad performances here. Uh, the directing is great. Again, shout out to um, Angel for like the I mentioned a bunch of times. I mentioned it one more time. Again, the fight choreography in this movie is really good. And he said he was inspired a lot by Injustice, which. I love, like, again, how many of these movies we see people, like, want to run away from things that are good? <laughs> I just feel like this was great about this movie, is that, like, yeah, some of this stuff is like, oh, I kind of seen that before, but it's like, it's freaking good. Like, maybe it's good to embrace these things. Uh, you know, uh, you know Kevin Feige, maybe he's not saying, oh, I gotta do everything entirely different than it's ever been done before. Sometimes other people didn't do it that way because it wasn't good, because it would have been worse. So, um, the, the fact that, like, you have a movie like this where we saw a Green Lantern movie try this and fail. Um, there was uh, we we saw Miss Marvel do it to a, a better degree, but you know, still did I don't think did it to the level of what Blue Beetle did in terms of the creativity of creating a character who can kind of manipulate matter in that way to create combat. Like this was this was they did a great job with that. And again, to do it with the lack of resources and lack of money in terms of CGI, in some ways I think it helped them. So. Um, I'm giving this an 8. Really enjoyable film. I really want to see a Blue Beetle 2. Like, I really want to see a Blue Beetle 2. Because I feel like we could... Now, that's a whole other podcast about how they do that. Because I want to see Blue Black Beetle. I want to see Green Beetle. Now, I don't think Kendall wants to see <laughs> Black Beetle Green. I don't think Shamar wants to see Black Beetle. I want to see Black Beetle. But... Well, you guys were complaining about there being... Well, that, that's, like, that's, a, that's a the problem cat. with this movie. It's a problem with this movie. But... You can't handicap the sequel because of that. Just like Carnage, for example. Like, I wasn't Venom right. Two. I was like, yeah, bring on Carnage. It has to be Carnage. You know, yeah, like, yeah. do I think it's stupid right. that we have two symbiote villains? Absolutely. That's true. <laughs> but you know, I'm not gonna hurt. <laughs> That's not gonna stop me from wanting yeah, Carnage. But, yeah, but and Black Beetle was so was so, so great. Yes, yeah. It's like I, I definitely yes. want to see Black Beetle for yeah. sure. It's crazy how Young Justice. Young Justice is so hard. And Justice just put over a character like nobody knew or cared about right. so much yeah. that like 
now that we when they even started talking about doing a Blue Beetle movie, we're just like, yo, we gotta, get, we gotta have Black Beetle. Like, right. We have to have Black Beetle. <laughs> That's just crazy. It shows again how influential and how successful Young Justice was as a or I'm gonna say not say I'm gonna say is I'm gonna say was. I'm hoping that we do finally get another season. James Gunn, if you're listening, please renew Young Justice. But um, but yeah, it just shows you just how effective that show was. Season two, Young Justice, to just I don't know if anything touches that uh, that project. But I think that's a good place to leave it. So I want to thank you guys again so much for checking out uh, this edition of Hero Talk. Of course, uh, if you like this show, you can catch all of our shows on the New Generation Podcast Network. Find out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube. You can catch us on uh, New Generation Media. Make sure you follow us on social media. You can find us on uh, New Generation Pod on Twitter, New Generation Podcast on Instagram. And it follows individual on social media. You can find Kendall on Twitter, New Gen Ken. You can find Shamari on Instagram and Snapchat, MCSham22. And you can find me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart. And on Instagram, Action EJ. Also on uh, uh, on TikTok and threads as well, Action EJ. That'll do it for now. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. For Shamari, for Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.